Hey, all you beauties, and welcome to the Coffee and Concealer Podcast. I am Jen, the host and creator of this show. If you are a mama, an entrepreneur, or someone who wants to be the best they can be, all while holding that mama fort down and not forgetting yourself in the process, then this podcast is for you. You can find out more or connect with us over at coffeeandconcealerpodcast.com or on Instagram. So go pour a hot cup of coffee and let's dive into today's episode. guys and welcome to the coffee and concealer podcast um i am really excited to talk about a topic today that is kind of something we just don't talk about (laughs) i've kind of taken upon myself on my personal instagram platform to make it more of like a common topic because when i do i get just so many messages. I get inundated with messages of people who are like, thank you for speaking up. Um, I'm too scared to say anything. I don't know what to do. And so it really just led me to kind of following my heart and knowing that this was something I needed to discuss. So today's episode is going to be about toxic family members and friends um, and how to remove them because I promise you once you do life is going to get a whole lot better for you. Um, There's a couple articles that I will reference for sure. I'm going to lead into my own experience as well Um, and there's just a lot that we can talk about um, and just make it a little bit more normalized uh, because if left un treated, (laughs) um, it can lead to some really bad mental problems, mental health, um, depression, because these people will suck the life out of you. And unfortunately we hold on to them for whatever reason that we have, uh, but we do nonetheless. So I am sure that everyone has one person that we can think of that drains us, that doesn't really bring anything to our lives. Um, And they literally can just, in one text message or one phone call or one, you know, instant message, they can literally drain you and make you feel like you just have no energy left for the world. And that's not fair to the people who don't do that to you. And I feel like right now, if there is a time to cut that person, it is while we are in this strange phase of life where we don't necessarily have to see them. We can, you know, slowly fade ourselves away without having to have those really troublesome conversations. Um, But I will say that we do need to have those hard conversations and eventually things will get better. There's, there's no question. Um, so for me, kind of jumping into my personal life, um, if you follow me again on my personal Instagram, you know, I'm very open with my relationship or lack thereof, uh, with my biological dad. Um, now I will start off by saying that, um, we've never had a typical, and I'm using air quotations, typical father-daughter relationship. That's never been us. Um, for the first half of my life, I lived with my mom. And during that time, I would see my dad here and there, occasionally on weekends. Um, 
And you know what? That part of the relationship seemed to be good. Like it was in short stints. And I will preface by saying, um, my dad was never physically abusive or any of that stuff. Um, and I do remember as a little girl, like most women do uh, when they're little and when they get older, frankly, um, we all want to be daddy's girls. We want to have that amazing relationship with our dads where we can call them. And I truly feel like as a mom of boys, that moms are always just, they have this close knit relationship with their boys and daughters are always usually typically closer with their fathers. Um, and it's a great thing. And I mean, it's not to say that it can't be the reverse, obviously. Um, and so the relationship with my dad was when I was quite young was, was not bad. Um, there is obviously a lot of trauma that I need to unpack in further episodes, but I won't, I won't get into that. Um, but about at the age of eight, my mom had an aneurysm and she ended up in the hospital, um, for about a year and a half. She was in a coma, um, for about four months, um, and at least that's the story I've been told. Again, my childhood is a black hole. It was somewhere between two and four months from what I understand. But anyways, um, and so during that time, at that point, I'd been living with my mom. And so at that point, I obviously couldn't live with her anymore. And so I moved in with my dad and his then girlfriend, future wife, and her two sons. And at that point, my relationship with my dad took a turn, um, not necessarily for the worst because we never had a great relationship to begin with. However, um, it was a different relationship. We saw each other every day because we obviously lived together and, um, there was also a lot of trauma within that household that again, one day I will unpack. Um, but it led us to a weird place in our relationship where, um, there was a lot of stuff that I was bringing up to his attention and he didn't really believe me. And so in that instance, I pulled away. Um, and I think that most people would probably do the same. And so we kind of went on that kind of lived with each other, but weren't overly close relationship for probably six years. And then I went through some things where I ended up actually leaving and going to live with my aunt when I was 16. Um, And for those last two years, from year six until year eight, things were hell in my household. Um, I wasn't safe, not from him. Again, I will preface by the fact that he he never made me feel um, unsafe or any of those things. Um, It was other people in that household. And so I kind of built up this wall of distrust and disloyalty and I didn't feel like he appreciated my honesty and I didn't feel like he believed anything that I was saying and he's my father I thought for sure like if anything he would be the one to support me and and I guess be the one to believe me uh, of anyone and so um around year eight I moved in with my aunt and honestly that was the best thing I could have ever possibly done in my life um and again that's something we can unpack in another episode as well um and so from that point forward I really didn't necessarily need him um for a whole lot 
And I think at that point, the distrust and the anger that I had built up over all these years um, just led me to put up a full wall. Um, And we didn't talk for a while. And when we did, it was via text message and it was me exploding because that's how I used to deal with my emotions is just bottle them up and and explode at any moment. Um, Again, keep in mind, I was a 16 year old teenager, so I think they all do that. But um, it was just a lot of, of pain and anger. And he, at that point, was staying with his wife, um, who was the cause of a lot of my pain. And so um, we just didn't talk for quite some time. Um, And then moving into my graduation year, um, I would have been 17. Um, I invited him and he didn't necessarily want to come, but I think it's one of those things where he felt obligated to come. So he made up a lie and he, you know, told her he was going somewhere else, maybe for work. I have no idea what he told her, but he showed up in street clothes and he changed in the bathroom at the university and he got into, you know, dress clothes and then he changed again before he left. Like he completely lied to her about where he was. And, and for me, that was like, that was the, the nail in the coffin. I was like, if you have to lie about coming to your daughter's graduation, that's it. I, I le- legitimately don't need you in my life. And I kind of made a call at about 17 that I, I didn't need him. I had had a father figure for years and years, which was my aunt's husband. He is an incredible man. Um, and I'm so incredibly thankful for him um obviously for my aunt as well but if we're talking father figures like he's the one that's taught me how to use tools he's the one who's you know taught me how to fix this and do that and it's all because of him so my dad and I didn't talk for probably a good year um now I just need to also tell you that I was extremely close with his parents which were my Omi and Opa um I've always had a very close relationship with them um And I think for that period of time, they probably were incredibly disappointed and sad that our relationship had become what it was. Um, And then my grandma got sick. Um, My grandma had had an incident um, and I lived not far from her at the time. And so I got a call from my uncle to go to her house um, to see if she was okay because my uncle lived in BC at the time. And so I went there and the doctor, like the EMS workers, they thought that she'd had a stroke. And so she was rushed to the hospital and they went through all of the tests and everything else. And this woman was as healthy as can be, like exercise, took her vitamins. Um, She was young. She was 66. She was incredibly young. Um, And so after a bunch of tests and everything else, they realized that she had a brain tumor and not one, but four. Um, And my world was rocked because I was never close with my mom. Um, I was always close with my aunt. But if you want to talk about another mother figure, it was my Omi. And so she was diagnosed with two benign brain tumors, two malignant brain tumors. If you know anything about um, brain cancer or brain tumors, um, benign ones can be removed um, and you can actually live with um, some or sometimes all of the benign tumor in your head. Um, 
malignant ones can be very, very aggressive. And so my Omi had had a couple brain surgeries. And obviously when you are having a surgery that involves your brain, there are a lot of risks involved. And even if they got, let's just say they got the entire malignant tumor out, there's a lot of risk of what they're taking with the tumor as far as cognitive ability, as far as, gosh, there's so many things. And so um, fast forward, that was October um, of 2005, I think. Um, and she went downhill very fast, um, and she passed away in May of 2006. Um, it sounds like a long period of time, but her quality of life from that period of time, from the surgeries until I think she'd had her last surgery in like February of 2016. Um, and then she was in palliative care for, for multiple months and, uh, sadly she passed away and my world was rocked. Um, obviously going back to my dad now, um, my Omi and Opa only had two children, two boys. Um, and so at this point, um, they weren't really speaking and you have no choice, but to kind of communicate with each other during the death of one of your parents or your grandparents. Um, my Opa was still alive, but he was also not very well. Like he, he had been sick my entire life. Um, and so that whole pause on my relationship with my dad was literally put on hold because you had to communicate with each other. And it was around that time that my dad had shared with me that him and his now ex-wife were going through a separation and all of these things. And I saw this beam of hope of she was the cause of so much of my pain that I had just this hope that we would just rekindle a relationship and it would be incredible and all of these things. And <laughs> my head was in the clouds. Um, again, fast forward about a year later, my Opa got really sick and he ended up going into the hospital with a pancreatic infection, which then spread. He went septic and he passed away in September of 2017 or 2017. Oh my gosh. 2007. My apologies. Um, and so in a short period of time, we had lost both of them and it was devastating. Um, and you know, in that time frame, I had lost an uncle to an overdose. Um, it was a really, really, really dark time in my life. And so I think that's why I held out so much hope on this relationship with my dad and fixing it and making it an incredible relationship and hoping that maybe we could rectify the issues that we had. Um, in hindsight now, I think that that was so stupid and I, I gave so much energy into something that I should have just walked away from. Um, fast forward to call it 2008. Um, we kind of had gone through this phase where we were talking, not a ton, but here and there. And it just, it, it wasn't what I'd hoped it would be. And it stayed that way for a number of years. And I guess in my head, I always just hoped that even though he wasn't a good dad to me, that once I had my own children, 
that he would step it up, that those grandchildren would be like, a, I don't know, a fresh start for him to make amends for not being there for me, if that makes sense. Um, and I was very, very, very sadly mistaken. Um, again, if anybody knows, um, I have two boys. They just turned five and turned two. Um, so Cash was born in 2015. And at that point, my dad and I were, were decently okay. Like, you know, we would talk, you know, like once a month on the phone, have a conversation. Um, I would always have to call him and we'd always have to talk about what he wanted to talk about. And, um, but again, I was just so like needing this relationship with him, even if it was just me putting in the effort, if that makes sense. Um, and then I had cash and I really thought that the second he was born, it was like someone would flip on a switch and he would have changed. And I was wrong. He didn't. Um, at about six weeks old, I had to force him. I called him, I yelled at him, and I said, like, what is wrong with you? This is your grandson. And I ended up going, so I need to say that he did apologize, and he's like, you're right. I have no idea what his issue was at that point, honestly. And so I went to his house with my, at that point, he was probably two months old. Um, I went to his house and we hung out. We did the, you know, we watched the things that he wanted to do. He, he, you know, like took an interest in cash, but I wouldn't say he played with him or even, I don't think he held him. And I left there and I thought like, what did I want this for? Like cash doesn't need to have this man in his life. So I left it alone for a little bit. And then when he was about seven or eight months, um, we had gotten together again at his house and that was it for me. I just thought like, I don't need to beg this man to be in my son's life if he doesn't want to be a grandpa, which again, I was incredibly close with both my grandparents. So I guess I thought that he would want to have that relationship. Um, and he didn't. And so I kind of let it go. And obviously it stung. Of course it's going to sting. And now fast forward to 2021, I see what grandparents are supposed to be like with their grandkids. Um, I have to peel my in-laws away from my boys. I have to say, okay, we have to go. Like they are, they just love them with their whole hearts. Um, and my aunt and uncle are incredible grandparents to the boys. They love them all the time. They'll drive out of their way just to drop off a treat here, even if it's bedtime. <laughs> um, and so it just wasn't what I thought it would be. And it stung for so, so long. And then fast forward to 2018, um, I got pregnant with Holt and um, I didn't talk to my dad almost the entire year. Um, for those of you that aren't good with math, um, I got pregnant with Holt probably like end of February um, and had him December 16th. So uh, within that same year, I finally, I was, I was talking to my husband and I said like, you know, do you think that he even knows that I was pregnant, that I was about to have another child? Um, and my husband said like, no, Jen, he's too self-centered to understand that or to even care. And so I messaged him um, Christmas, I believe. So Holt would have been 
like nine days old. And I messaged him and I said, Merry Christmas. And he's like, oh, Merry Christmas to you. And uh, I said, I hope you're doing well. And he complained about some arthritis. Um, And he said, how are you? And you could just tell that he just asked because I had asked. And I said, oh, I'm not bad. I'm recovering from a C-section from having, you know, my second son. And he just said, congrats. He didn't ask a dang thing about this baby. His own flesh and blood, his daughter's son, did not even care one iota. And I'm saying all of this not to put him down, honestly, but to... Honestly, as I'm speaking, as I'm, I'm having realizations even in itself right now, um, I wanted so much to have this like categorical relationship with him and it meant nothing. Um, I put so much energy in my 33 years into him and I never got it back. So when he messaged me that and just said, congrats, that for me, I looked at my husband And I said, I'm done. And he's like, yeah, yeah, Jen, I've heard it before. I've heard it before. And I said, I'm done. I am done. I should not have to beg him to A, want to be in my life. B, want to be in their lives. He's met my husband twice. And we've almost been together for eight years. So I'm telling you this, not to, again, have a sob story by any means. Um... But what I'm telling you is it's hard. It is hard to cut those people, but I promise you from the bottom of my heart, it will get better. When you let them go, it will get better. Um, I did not message him this Christmas. Last Christmas, I messaged him a Merry Christmas and that was it. Um, This Christmas, I did not message him a happy birthday. I did not message him um, a Merry Christmas. He didn't message me any of those things. And am I sad for him? 100%. I'm sad that he's chosen this path of solitude, of um, he's angry. He's angry at someone for something. I've taken the brunt of it. And unfortunately, it is what it is. This is his bed. He's made it. And he's made himself alone. Um, Does he have friends? Yeah. Does he work? Yeah. Um, But as far as family, he has nobody. Um, And I will also tell you, my uncle, his brother, is in the exact same position. He has no relationship with his kids. Um, I am very close with my, I guess, my uncle's ex-wife. I call her my aunt. Um, She's a wonderful woman. She's raised these boys all by herself. And I just can't understand how two brothers ended up exactly the same. They despise each other, but exactly the same. Um, And I do need to also say my grandparents were incredible, incredible people. So it's not because they had a bad growing up that they ended up this way. It was simply by choice. So on the topic of choice, these articles... I posted one about a year ago, and that is kind of when I first brought up this topic on my Instagram, and my Instagram lit up because so many of you are in the exact same position, and if it's not you, then you know somebody who's going through it. So this article is from a, um, a link called The Odyssey Online, 
And it says it's okay to cut ties with toxic family members. It says removing yourself from a toxic relationship with a family member is hard. There are no instructions to walking away and letting go of a toxic person, but it is a worthy process to pursue your own happiness and fixing the internal damage which emotional abuse inflicts. Having a toxic family member who constantly takes you on an emotional roller coaster ride on a regular basis leaves you with a range of conflicting feelings like confusion, obligation, pain, guilt, betrayal, anger, and grief. Taking the next step of letting go of family is incredibly hard, guilt riddling, and takes a tremendous amount of courage. A family member will take advantage of the fact that you are family, a bond that is supposed to be enduring, loving, and respectful to manipulate and hurt you because they know you will find it very hard to remove yourself because you're family. If you're going through something like this, I understand. It wasn't until recently that I decided it was time to cut ties with someone who was a member of my household. After going through an entire childhood of emotional abuse and realized that ending all contact with that relative was the best route to take so I can continue living a healthy and happy life. Some told me it was selfish to leave a loved one hanging, but the decision to cut ties with the relative was one of the hardest but best decisions I've ever made. The decision only came after I realized the outcome of my experiences with childhood emotional abuse. Now as an adult, I'm able to see the negative psychological effects I've developed because of the toxic relative. We are conditioned to believe that to terminate relationships with family is morally or inherently wrong. We are conditioned to believe that if we end relationships with them, that we are bad and no one wants to feel like we are a bad person. We get it. Your connection with your family is supposed to be this mythical bond that nobody and nothing can break. However, sometimes it's okay to distance yourself from certain family members, even if that means cutting them off indefinitely. You should never compromise your mental, emotional, or physical health for the sake of tolerating a toxic family member. Even after you distance yourself from that toxic person, it will still take time to recover from the abuse and that is okay. Family is a subjective term and you can form a new family from your supportive friends, surrounding yourself with supportive people that will help reinforce the positive change you need in your life. Honestly, this article hit me so hard last year that I had to share it and I know the guilt. I know the guilt and the want and the need for something that you just see in a story or in a movie and you want it. And unfortunately, some people are just not able to be that person for you. Um, And I think that the guilt is what needs to go away because if we had a terrible friend who was treating us like garbage day in and day out, you would have no problem cutting them because maybe you would never have to see them again or you don't run the same circles. Um, But with family, you're like, well, if I don't talk to Uncle Bob, then if I cut Uncle Bob out, I might still see Uncle Bob at Christmas get-togethers or Thanksgiving get-togethers. And sure, that's true. Um, If I saw my dad, again, I would never, but if I did, I'd be cordial and I would say, hey, how's it going? Um, You know, it's just... It's just not worth the risk that it's doing to your mental health and to your mental wellness. Um, And then there was one more article from ABC and it was um, seven signs it's time to cut toxic family members out. So I wanted to read them to you. That way, maybe you might not think someone is and you're realizing that you're going through 
a lot of things. And so by me sharing these, maybe you'll see that there is someone in your life that is doing this to you. So number one, when the relationship is based in any kind of abuse, mentally, physically, sexually, verbally, or emotionally, when the relationship is based in manipulation, overt or covert, you can be sure you're being used or abused. When you're living in constant anxiety, never knowing or being able to predict how any engagement is going to turn out, it's time to love yourself enough to let go. Number two, it is time to terminate a relationship when the only contact you have with them is negative. The contact you have with them serves to bring you down, put you down, or make you feel like you aren't good enough or you haven't done enough for them. Number three, when the relationship creates so much stress that it affects the important areas of your life at work, at home, or both, when your emotions are totally caught up in defending yourself and wanting to explain yourself and the chaos of your relationships with these people is all you talk about, it is time to let go. Number four, if you find yourself obsessed with the gossip about you and trying to write wrong information, you're constantly being ostracized to the point you're losing sleep over it. You're becoming poisoned with their toxicity. Gossip only serves one family member to get others to gang up on you and you are left defenseless against the false beliefs that you are being thrown your way. There is usually a ringleader gathering the troops for assault and because they are joined together, you'll begin to wonder whether or not you are the problem. Number five, when the relationship is completely all about the other person and there is no real reason why other people can't make the effort towards health and maintenance of the relationship with you, one-sided relationships are set up for your failure. When you realize there is never going to be enough place for you to reach in the relationship, you need to let go and start focused on your own healing. Number six, when and whether the relationship is only about borrowing or needing money. Number seven, when crazy making no win games dominate the relationships, relationships such as the silent treatment, the blame games, the no win arguments that spin around on you, there's no point in continuing in this battle. Verbal warfare is never the place you will convince them of anything. And these kinds of verbal interactions are set up to be their way or the highway. And if these are the negative consequences you receive each time, this person or people don't get their way. It is time to let go. So I wanted to just say that if you're going through something like this, you are not alone. If you need someone to talk to, talk to the people who are the most trustworthy around you that are going to be able to help you, support you through this. When you feel like you want to message the person that you're removing from your life, you can message that person instead in order to allow yourself to be strong and to remove these people from your life because I promise you, you will be so much better for it once they are gone. So thank you for listening and thank you for taking a dive into my life and I hope you guys enjoyed this and this can be applied to your life and I will talk to you guys next time. Hey mamas, before you go, if you love this show and found it benefited you in an amazing way, take a screenshot of this podcast and post it in your Instagram stories. Tag us in it and we'll share it. And also, if you haven't gone to iTunes yet, taken 30 seconds to leave us a review and told us how much you love us, go do that. It pushes us and lights us up like you can't even imagine. You guys are why we decided to do this show. So thanks for listening and we can't wait to chat with you next time.